Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us as we continue our study in St. John Paul II's apostolic exhortation entitled, The Role of the Christian Family in the Modern World. And since this year is the 40th anniversary of that timeless treasure given to married couples and families in the Catholic Church, we want to take a close look at this. I'm calling today's show, a title of it, The Secret Destroyer of Love in Marriages. And I promised last time, last episode 365, and we talked about selfishness in marriage and how it destroys marriages. And I promised there'd be a second part to that, and that second part is today. We read at the very beginning of the role of the Christian family in a modern world the following. John Paul II says, at the root, in other words, we're really getting, what, what, what's causing all the disturbance in marriage and family life in a modern world? At the root of all the negative phenomena, there lies a corruption of the idea of freedom, okay? And there's a lack of capacity for realizing the truth of God's plan for marriage and family. But in its place of this authentic conception of God's plan for marriage and family is an autonomous power of self-affirmation. And by autonomous, that's composed of two Greek words, auto, which is self, and nomos, which is the Greek word for law. It's a self-law. And rather than seeing God's plan, we come up with a plan that we cook up within ourselves, and that create, creates selfishness. And selfishness is an enemy to union in marriage. Because if you have two centers of the universe dwelling in a three-bath, two-bedroom home, things don't go well. And no matter how large your home, it still doesn't go well if you have two centers of the universe. You have to find some type of unity, and apart from selfishness, you'll never find that unity. Okay, here we go. So let's take this now one step further, the idea that selfishness is an enemy to our marriages, and we go to section 11 of the role of the Christian family in a modern world. And it says this, God is love, and God inscribed in the humanity of man and woman the vocation and thus the capacity and responsibility of love and communion. Okay, God is love, and he has put this instinct, uh, this capacity, this responsibility. It's like something in our DNA. God has placed it there. Love is therefore the fundamental vocation of every human being. Okay, that's the general principle. Now we're going to take it and apply it to marital sexuality. Consequently, sexuality by means of which man and woman give themselves to one another through the acts that are proper and exclusive to spouses is by no means something purely biological. Sexuality, 
affects people at the deepest possible level in their lives. Now, this is a surprise to the modern world, which uh, people think, young people think that are exposed to uh, media today, they think they know all about sexuality and it's something that people just do. And actually, that couldn't be further off base. For animals, sexuality is something they just do. But for human beings, it's not just a biological act. It's something that, yes, it is biological, but encompasses the whole person. Remember, we started our premise with God is love, and he's, and he's impressed this upon us. And marital sexuality is not divorced from something that goes on deep within us through the gift of marital sexuality. So he goes on, but sexuality concerns the innermost being of the human person. It is realized in a truly human way, okay? We're not animals. We're human beings created in the image of the God of love and a truly human being only if it is an integral part of the love by which a man and a woman commit themselves totally to one another until death. Okay, so God is love. He's impressed that upon us. And in marital sexuality, it goes way beyond simply something just biological. It's far more encompassing. And what that is, he says next, the total physical self-giving, the total physical self-giving. And that's how St. John Paul II would define love, marital love, the total physical self-giving would be a lie if the person were to withhold something. By this very act, he or she would not be giving totally. This is so important, and by the way, this important passage from the role of the Christian family in the modern world, this is section 11, is also found in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, section 2361. So he goes on, the totality which is required by conjugal love also corresponds to the demands of responsible fertility. In other words, let's go back up. Uh, the idea of being openness to life, or if you're in the modern world at the root, you're making up self-law, you're directing life according to yourself, well, then you would want to use birth control, or you may want to use birth control if it seems right to you, but you can't have both. You can't have the total self-giving and using birth control because you're not totally giving all of yourself. There's a logic here. He goes on, this fertility is directed to the generation of a human being, and so by its nature, it surpasses the purely biological order and involves a whole series of personal values. But remember, the total physical self-giving would be a lie if you hold back part of yourself. And a lot of people think, really, come on, 
it's it's a modern world here. It's uh, 2021. This is when we're recording this episode. Hopefully, it goes on for many years. But, you know, it's 40 years since John Paul II. We're in the modern world. We're in a new millennium and all this stuff. What in the world does birth control have to do with anything? Well, you have to start with what is marital sexuality? Is it something purely biological? Well, if it is, then probably birth control is no big deal. But we're not animals. We're human beings specially created in the image of God. And we're, we're able to image God in marital sexuality, and it's a special gift. But that image only takes place when we're totally self-giving. John Kipley, who was the founder of the Couple to Couple League, a wonderful man, has written some excellent books. In fact, uh, one of his little booklets helped propel me towards the Catholic faith as an evangelical pastor. John Kipley mentioned that in the gift of marital sexuality, each act properly done, in other words, open to life, totally self-giving, is an actual renewal of the marriage covenant. It freshens, it restores, it renews, it, it helps it grow marital love because love is the opposite of selfishness. That's our premise. And total self-giving enables love to grow, or if your marital sexuality is invaded by some form of birth control, you're actually having an erosion of your marriage. And I would dare say easily 99% of those using birth control have no idea of what it's doing, the very depths of their being, and the profound depths of influence it's having on their marriage. So you need the mutual self-giving or else selfishness will grow in the place of charity in the heart. Now, I'd like to recommend a resource. It's not just because I co-authored this book, because we worked really hard on it. Uh, Jim Burnham and I uh, co-authored Christian Fatherhood, the, the book Christian Fatherhood. And in chapter 10, we knew we were writing to men and Catholic fathers in the modern world. We advocated keeping birth control out of your marriage. And we worked twice as hard on this chapter than we did any of the other chapters in the book. But I'm going to um, let you in in a secret in case you purchase the book, and I hope you, you might consider doing so. We separated the topic of selfishness as the enemy of marriage from the topic of birth control, because we found out, uh, particularly through live conferences and addressing this topic, people almost go into a shock, literally a shock, when you start describing birth control and what can do to a marriage. It's like something overwhelming. It's like getting a uh, a diagnosis from a doctor, you have cancer, is like, what did you say? You know, so uh, chapter five of the book Christian Fatherhood, we deal with marriage and how selfishness is the enemy of marriage. Okay, well, everybody can get that. Um, that, that shouldn't be too hard to get. And then in chapter 10, we show how selfishness is increased by the use of birth control. 
I remember one conference I did, the uh, organizer said, Steve, I'd like to take you out to breakfast before you fly out in the morning. And uh, halfway through uh, eating my eggs, he just started weeping. And I mean, from the depths of his being, he said, that chapter 10 of your book hit me over the head like a two by four. And here's a man who had been practicing contraception in the midst of his marriage, uh, had a change of heart by reading, I don't know what this is, maybe 10 or 15 pages in a book, and ended up becoming the leader of a Catholic men's conference in Canada. It was very interesting because I went back to this same town and he happened to be a, a TV and film expert. And so we recorded one of our conferences and he wanted to do a little one-on-one -on -one with me. And uh, so we went to his home, we're sitting in his kitchen and he was giving testimony about what chapter 10 of Christian fatherhood did to his marriage and how it transformed it and how he voluntarily had a vasectomy reversed um, after reading, again, <laughs> 15 pages, and it was a miracle. But little did I know, until after the fact, that upstairs, while I I've been in his home one time for about an hour, hour and a half in my entire life, and during that one hour, hour and a half, his wife was upstairs taking a pregnancy test and she was pregnant with a child, they were thrilled to no end to receive into their family. And again, this is one chapter, and maybe it's because you don't hear a whole lot about this. I don't know. Without a whole lot of philosophical jargon, I remember I was talking to Father Mitch Pacwa of EWTN about this type of thing, and he says, um, do you talk about John Paul II's theology of the body? I said, well, yes, but I translate it. And I talk about selfishness or self-giving and try to put it in terms that make a lot of sense to married couples. And this is exactly why St. John Paul II is emphasizing this so strongly after he just already identified this selfishness at the root of all that seems to be going wrong in marriage and family life. One of the things I mentioned in chapter 10 of Christian fatherhood, this is a little dated today, but in the 90s, 1990s, Americans spent $26 million on a tape set. Remember what tape sets were? $26 million by a best-selling author, and the tape set uh, was entitled Making Love Work. And it's very interesting. Uh, this popular love expert was also married to another love expert. Um, <laughs> and they had been divorced. And the first ex expert was divorced four times. And yet couples spent millions buying this tape set, $26 million on making love work. And even the love experts couldn't stay married to each other. And in place of this, you have the encyclical by Paul VI, Humanae Vitae on human life uh, against birth control saying it's, it's really not good for marriages. And then you have St. John Paul II, the role of Christian family in the modern world saying the same thing. 
And I think Humani Vitae, back in the day when people were spending $26 million for tapes that don't work, uh, you could get Humani Vitae for $0.75 cents and the role of Christian family for $3.25 in print. And if today you can get it free over the internet. And it's the cure for what's eating at marriages uh, from the inside out. And I, I really bring this to you because there's a lot of even Catholic marriage and family conferences. There were Catholic men's conferences where the last thing they wanted discussed was this topic. Uh, why? Because, uh, well, it's it's tough to take for the modern world. It, it involves not just the question of birth control. It's like, who's in control? Do you trust him? Do you trust him for your marriage? Do you trust him for your marital sexuality? And, and if so, what are the results of following him versus not following him? This is creating, I am convinced, divorces beyond the numbers of which I can't even estimate. It's a primary cause of divorce, and couples don't even know what it is. They know about the selfishness that erupts in conflicts, but they don't know what the root cause is because it's secretly eating away at their marriages. Now, I want to switch because, and I say switch, uh, transition probably be a better word, and go from your individual marriage to the state of what's going on in the world. Because no country, not even the United States, no civilization, no culture can survive without stable marriages and families. It's impossible to happen. And this is having international, global, profound implications. It's it's where our world is headed, and a lot of people wonder, oh, we just have to elect this person or that person. Don't get me wrong. I vote in every election. I vote pro-life without question. But I don't, I don't for a moment imagine that that alone is the cause of what's going on in this world and what's going wrong in this world. Now, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood and early advocate of birth control, wrote a book entitled The Pivot of Civilization. And I can't recommend the book, but I can tell you this, uh, having written a few books myself, if you can come up with a good title, you're, you're halfway there. And she had a prophetic title, The Pivot of Civilization, Birth Control as the Pivot of Civilization. In September, September 20th, the year, I think it was 2000, I was in New York City, and I was with a select group of experts from around the United States that were strong, highly motivated advocates of marriage, trying to keep marriages together and a coalition of governmental, uh, religious, secular, whatever, uh, trying to keep marriages together, as well as some key leaders of the fatherhood movement that President George Bush had given millions to try to sponsor and whatnot. 
And I was there. I don't know how I got there, but um, uh, as far as I know, I think I was the only practicing Catholic there. And I know the founder of this uh, National Coalition of Advocates for Lasting Marriage, she mentioned to me, oh, I was raised Catholic, which means (laughs) past tense, I'm no longer practicing. Giving the talk, the keynote talk, was a Dr. John Miller, who was a Canadian theologian, and a lot of people don't know it, but he is probably the grandfather of the modern men's movement, the modern fatherhood movement, greatly impacted me. Uh, His writings were before any of this stuff uh, erupted. So he was brought in from Canada to give the keynote address, and here's what he said. Most agree that at the heart of these cultural changes is the weakening of the traditional family. But there is less agreement about why these changes have occurred as swiftly as they have in our part of the world or about what our prospects and options are. I I need to mention that Dr. Miller was a Baptist theologian from Canada. And he goes on. The boldest thesis in this regard is that of anthropologist Lionel Tiger in his book, The Decline of Males. And I have this book, The Decline of Males. Lionel Tiger um, is not at all <laughs> affiliated with the Vatican. To my knowledge, he, he's an evolutionary biologist. He doesn't have a whole lot to do with Christianity, to my knowledge. But Dr. Miller is pointing his finger at this book by Lionel Tiger, Uh, the client of males. And in that book, he argues that the rapidity of these changes in our culture is largely due to the phenomenal shift in attitudes and responsibility toward procreation as a consequence of contraception. And the contraceptive pill in particular for which for the first time in history vests women with control and primary responsibility for the reproductive process. But it does cut off fathers. This is my PS, and so it has an immense consequence. The result, he says, is a profound and probably enduring alteration of family patterns. When this two-parent family is weakened or destroyed, through mindless and uncontrolled sexual promiscuity, as the epic implies, it once was prior to the great flood. He's referring to the flood of Noah. Humanity lived uh, in anarchy and self-destruction. He's basically saying this is where human civilization, total human human civilization is headed towards a self-destruction like the world did before the flood. Seen in light of the narrative just recounted, we appear at this moment in our history to be reverting to conditions that existed prior to or at the dawn of fatherhood 5,000 years ago. And he traces Dr. Miller, and he uses the work of the anthropologist Lionel Tiger in The Decline of Males, to find the first writings affirming the role of a father within the family. And they said this this is a very delicate thing to do, and civilization accompanied this, and as a result, we had civilization. 
But he goes on, he says, armed with an array of contraceptive technologies, bombarded with the notion that sexual intercourse is primarily a pleasure to be enjoyed, promiscuity among our youth is beginning to approximate that of the natives of the Trobriand Islands. That's in the Southwest Pacific, where children as, as young as six are encouraged to have relations with each other. With recent developments in both contraceptive and reproductive technology, the choices confronting us in this sphere of our lives have increased exponentially. Men and women are now viewed as vested with freedom to seek sexual pleasure as an end of itself. Do you remember what I started in the last episode and this episode with the role of Christian family in a modern world at the root of the problems of marriage and family life in the many manifold expressions in the modern world, it's an abuse of freedom. And now he's saying this freedom to seek pleasure as an end of itself in a selfish way. So, now the next generation seeks to choose whether it's heterosexuality or homosexuality or out of marriage. It's now regarded as a human right, which cannot be challenged or curtailed in any way. It's very interesting how quiet it got in that conference room of U.S. leaders trying to, and researchers trying to keep marriages together and also working for the strengthening of fatherhood in the United States. It got very quiet. And in fact, I was dumbfounded. Uh, I thought I was the only one in the room who had a inkling of what birth control could do to a marriage. And here is a man that helped me get involved in the fatherhood movement saying, no, it's not just marriages and family life human civilization itself is under threat because when you split the family and you do it by secretly introducing something other than total self-giving and marital sexuality, it all breaks up. Some people think that John Paul II's apostolic exhortation is kind of outdated. Hey, it's 40 years old. No, I'm sorry. It was way, way ahead of its time. This is a prophetic document that couples today should read and heed. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 367 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.